rest of the mission team for a year or so now, and so it's good to be here with you guys. Um, you guys may know the Overlands who we're supporting. They retired from full-time ministry recently, and they're wonderful people, and they decide to have mercy on us and um, introduce us to you guys, and we're not as good as them, so we'll do our very best to live up to their um, big shoes, because they are great folks. Um, but I'm excited to be here with you guys and to share with you about our ministry and what we're doing and kind of give you an idea of um, how to be a part of that. And so um, before we kind of dive into that, I have uh, three disclaimers to give you up front. Um, one, I do have a family and they're not here. Um, they would love to be, but um, we travel a lot and we have little kids, so we're giving them a break this week. Um, secondly is that um, just kind of information before I get started is that we are not um, on the field yet. We are in the process of going. And so all that information you hear is what we're hoping to do, planning to do, and um, we're just kind of in initial stages. And finally is that um, this morning as I speak, um, I'm going to be vague about a lot of details about who we work with and where we work. Um, due to the nature of who we're working with and the kind of the country and context, we can't say a lot um, over live stream situations. And so I'll be kind of vague. Um, hopefully you guys can tolerate that. But afterwards, I'm going to hang around for a while. We're going to meet in your um, gymnasium over here. And I'll be there to answer some more detailed questions if you guys have them. Um, so I'd love to share more, but be a little, little secretive about it, um, not to be weird or anything. So that being said, we're going to get started. Um, we can pop up that first slide there. So Pioneer Bible Translators is who we work with. Um, you guys are partly familiar with them already through the Overlands. But if not, it's time for a refresher course. So if you don't mind. So the next slide, um, the mission of, or sorry, got my slides wrong. This is my family. <laughs> How could I forget? Don't tell my wife. Um, they're amazing. I love my family. They are beautiful, and I enjoy them so much. I wish they were here because my kids are bonkers. They're not bad kids, not crazy. They just have a lot of energy. Um, but they're great. Um, that's my wife, Candice. She's gorgeous. Um, and my kids are gorgeous, too. Um, in my arms there is our oldest, Ezra. He just turned two. So he's a toddler, but it's really fun too. We enjoy him a lot. And our youngest there, Jude, he just, he'll turn one in about two or three weeks here. So they're just little guys, but they're really awesome. We call Jude Smiling Jude because he smiles all the time. And I'll show you a photo of how much he smiles later on. But um, they're great. I wish they could be here. We're just giving them, the kids some extra rest from traveling. Um, and so maybe in the future, you guys will get to see them. So we can go to the next slide. So the mission of Pioneer Bible Translators is to disciple the Bibleists and to do that by mobilizing God's people to provide enduring access to God's word. That enduring access part is really important because we're not just going there to go sling some books at them and say, good luck. We want to go and help them know how to use it for their whole lives and for generations after. And the vision, um, as um, Jim mentioned, is to see transformed lives through God's word in every language. Um, and we're going to do just a small part of that through our ministry. Um, and as we kind of um, get going, um, Jim mentioned our ministry is focused on church planning and discipleship. So we, we work alongside translators who are doing the really heady work of translation. Um, I tell people I don't do translation because I'm not smart enough to do it. So I leave it to those guys. Um, but we're focusing on discipleship and church planning, which I love. I'm very excited about. Um, but I love this quote about Pioneer Bible Translators. We can go to the next one. Because Pioneer Bible is a Bible translation agency that also does church planning, we are uniquely suited to work with the least reached scriptureless language groups suffering the greatest spiritual poverty remaining on earth. 
we will be working with a people group who there is no Bible. Um, there is a very, very small fraction of Christians there. And even then, the gospel has only been partly communicated to them. They don't really know who Jesus really is or have access to know him. And so we're going to these people who don't know Jesus to help them know who he is, again, for their lives, for generations after, to impact their community. And we're very, very excited about that. Um, we have translation teammates who are over there who've been working on translation. And they have scripture translated and ready to go out to the people. It's not printed yet, but it's been translated. Like They know how to communicate you know, the words of, of the gospel of, of Matthew, which is key to have something like that. But what they need is somebody who can spend full time doing that, going out and getting the word out there, letting people know that God's word is coming to their language. And we get to do that. Um, we're very encouraged by the opportunity to do that. So before I get into more detail about what we're doing, which is really exciting, we think, I want to give you guys more of an idea of, of where we're going. And um, so it's a little more, a little more real. Um, this is our first time speaking with you guys, so it's good to kind of give you a picture of who we're working with. Um, I will say that we will be working in a community that is about 120,000 people, made up of three to four refugee camps. We work with refugees from a different country, um, a northern country right above us, who are refugees in this southern country. And um, they are, are mostly a Muslim-based people group, um, folk religion kind of Muslim. Um, but this is kind of who we're we'll working with. So we can go to the next slide there. Uh, this is from a trip we were on recently. Um, where we work, um, you can see we're on a little plane here. This is a little uh, like four-seater, single-engine Cessna-type plane, like very small. Um, where we work, it's only accessible by plane. There are no roads, there are no boats, um, because if there were roads, they would all be wiped out each year during the massive flooding that happens. And so um, it's a very difficult to access area. It's very expensive because you have to fly everything out to where you are. Um, but our kids love planes, and so that works out really well. Um, but also they like sleeping, so I mean, you know, not too bad, I guess. Um, but that's this photo of us traveling. We can go to the next slide there. So this is where we work. Um, when, I when I describe it to people, I tell them it's pretty stereotypical Africa from a missionary standpoint. You know, it's, it's very poor, it's very dry. It's kind of like, I think it's kind of what you expect, I feel like, when people talk about Africa a little bit, unfortunately. But this is where we work. Um, like I said, it is very dry. You can see from the terrain, there are some trees, but otherwise, it's pretty dry ground. Um, um, eight months out of the year, it's hot season. And hot season ranges anywhere from 95 to 112 days. So it gets pretty hot. Um, it's a pretty um, tough area for plants to grow. So they have um, a small variety of nutrition. Um, they grow some plants like sorghum and lentils and some seasonal fruit, but just not a lot. And as you can see from the buildings in the photo there, um, they're made of, they're like thatch huts. The, their fences are made of tarps and sticks, and there's just not a lot there. Um, it's, um, again, it's a UN refugee camp where they kind of move a bunch of people over and just kind of left them there. And so they just don't have a lot of resources to work with, so they do what they can. Um, and my wife there, you can see, she's wearing what's called a tobe. Um, and you can see it's a full body covering. And when people hear about Muslim people groups and see full body covering, they assume it's kind of a religious like mandate kind of thing. Where we work, it's just a cultural custom and tradition. That's what the women wear. It's very nice, actually, because um, it it's kind of gives them some shade on their body. because It's pretty pretty hot there. Um, unless you're like my wife, who was nursing, and then you, kind of, you and the kid are sweating all day long. Um, but it's very beautiful. The patterns are very beautiful. Um, for the men, we dress pretty traditionally, although we don't wear shorts. Shorts are for little boys. I like shorts, though. So wear those at home. Um, I'll go to the next slide there. 
Um, this is um, a church in the area. So as I mentioned, we work in um, a southern country with people from a different country. So in this country, there is technically religious freedom, um, although you can't officially convert. But there is a state church presence. It's kind of an Anglican kind of denomination. Um, but what they did in a lot of areas was go in, tell people, hey, if you want to be Christian, we'll give you some food and stuff. But here's kind of the things you're going to do as Christians. So there is a, some churches there. There are some Christians. Some, there are some good believers. But for a lot of people in these churches, um, they, they hear a, a prosperity kind of gospel. Um, and they're there on a more communal obligation. You know, it's where their, their family and friends go to. It's where their community is. This is kind of like, it's kind of what you do. Um, so there is a church there, but um, you know, it's got some health issues in its theology that we'll kind of talk about. Um, but as you can see, the building itself is you know, like, like a thatch kind of building. Um, it would fit inside your sanctuary, um, probably from the end of these pews, the end of these pews, and to the end of the room is about as big as that is. Um, it's not too bad, but um, it's kind of what they have, and they do their best with it. Um, we do have several teammates who are in the area. You can see our teammate Mary right there in the corner. Um, she's from one of the families. When we go over there, we'll have five families working with us. Um, we're the only people focused on church planning and discipleship. The rest of our teammates are translation specialists and um, literacy specialists. So people to translate and people to help teach reading. And we can go to the next slide there. So this is a good photo that I enjoy just because it shows um, the people, shows a little more like their, their clothing, which is, speaks their culture a little bit, very rich, very vibrant, uh, very exciting people group. Um, the, the refugee camp we're in is made of three to four refugee camps, kind of all in one, which means there's a lot of different people groups who are in the area, which means there's a lot of different culture going on. And it's kind of evidence just in the way that they engage with each other and the way that they dress. Um, and you can see up front, they kind of do some preaching. This Sunday, we have some traveling preachers who are in the area. Um, but we have some guys up in, the, up in this corner over here, um, three or four guys. They are nationals that we work with. They've been working with our translation team for a couple of years now. And um, they're just national workers who are believers who want to see scripture come to their people. And what they've been doing, which is really encouraging, is being a part of this church and helping to um, teach them about God's word. Like, hey, this is what we've been translating and learning and help them kind of grow alongside them, which is very encouraging to see a hunger and a thirst within the people and drive to, to reach their community. Um, so uh, real quick, I want to show you guys a video to kind of show you just some more of these people and kind of how things go for them in, in their church setting. Um, one thing we, we really believe as we, we do the work that we're doing is that you know, the same spirit of God that's in us and working in us is working in, in the Christians over there, right? Um, but it might look a little different. They may... Um, during our communion message, talking about different ways to do communion. You know, we all do communion, but we can do it in different formats a little bit, our own little flavor of how we want to do it. And just like that, they have their own kind of flavor of, of music and the way that they worship. And so um, I'm going to show you a video in a second. Um, I will tell you um, it's, in, it's in English, although you may not be able to hear it very well. And it's not in English because they speak a lot of English. Um, it's in English because the white people were there. And so they want to treat us nicely and sing English songs for us. Um, so it's not as beautiful as their language, um, but it is in English, so it's fun. Um, and yeah, so we can go ahead and show you guys that video real quick.
Um, the video's a little stretched out. Our kids are not aliens. Um, uh, but I enjoyed that video for a couple reasons. For one, is my kid at the end, he's like rocking out. Then he remembers he's tired, and he's like, yeah, oh wait, I'm tired. Um, but I just think it's a really good picture of the people because, um, you know, 9-11 happened a while back now, but still, when we hear about Muslim people groups, or I find at least, people have a, a connotation about what that looks like, right? Um, and they kind of assume that this is a dangerous people group, that we're, we're risking our lives by going and being with them. And certainly the area we're going to has experienced a lot of conflict, and so there is an inherent danger in where we're going, but um, these, are, these are people, right? It's kind of what we want to share with others, is that these are real people like you and me who dress a little different, speak a little different, do life a little differently, but at the end of the day, they're just people who are singing songs, having fun, um, inviting weird little white kids to their community. Um, and, they're just, and they're just human, right? And we kind of keep that in mind when we, as we share the gospel that we are we're just going to other people who are as broken as we are to share the gospel with. And they're, and they're very real. And we try and share that um, because, you know, I, w- I want people to know who are supporting us as we go, who they're, who they're sharing the gospel with as they support us. These are real lives being impacted. And that goes with this photo too. These are just some, um, these are just some kids that I met outside the compound who um, they, uh, you can see some cows in the background a little bit, but they were just shepherding some cows, and I chatted with them for a little bit and we took some photos together. But um, again, like they're just they're just kids in a different part of the world, um, and a lot of these these people, um, even though they're Muslim background, it's not Orthodox Muslim or fundamental Muslim. It's it's um, what we call folk Islam. It's they have a, a a Muslim core background or undergirding, but really what they do is rooted in a lot of animism and traditional practices and and folk tales that kind of stuff. And so it's a very um, like a nominal kind of Muslim faith. Um, so they're just, they're just kids, they're having a good time. Um, one thing that's cool about what you see here, um, again with the cows, is that they do a lot of um, things that are very closely related to biblical living. Um, kind of just one of those cultures where they kind of have some more connections that are easy to, to make with scripture in terms of sharing about you know, shepherds and kind of that, that analogy of who Jesus is, which is very helpful. And we'll go to our, our last photo here. Um, so I love this photo because there's my kid. There's smiling Jude. Um, so just kind of some more insight to who these people are is, um, I mean, they're just a very rich and loving people. Um, you know, for the first time, I went to a place where I could give my kid to somebody and not really care, you know, what happened for a little bit. Um, they highly value children. There's a high value on children. To do anything wrong to a child is considered a very great crime. And so... Um, you know, these are a third culture people group with Muslim background, very different than us, but in some ways there's a lot of protection among this kind of people, where there's a lot of value on some very traditional um, values in terms of respect and treating elders and kids um, appropriately, and so um, people take our kids all the time, um, strangers who I never didn't even know would just take my kid, and um, which is good, because they have this belief, you know, that if that, that mom's working all day, right, She's taking care of the kids. She's working hard. The guy's just kind of like, the guy's there, but mom's working hard, so why should mom carry the kid in public too? So they like to help out with the kids. And um, you know, one thing we love about this image is that um, what we express as we bring our kids over, because people ask us, like, are your kids going with you? And we're like, of course, they're our kids. They're going to come with us. Um, is that it kind of communicates to these people that, that God cares not only to bring his language to them, but to, to send even little children to them to make that happen that we're willing to take our kids to a place that isn't our normal to share the gospel with them. And to us, that's, that's a big part of what it means to, to live incarnationally among them, to, 
to be like Christ to them, to live out Christ's life for them, is to be willing to bring our precious things with us. Um, and our kids love it too. Our, Jude is our extrovert in the family. We're all introverts. Um, but he's the extrovert. He's have, he has a blast whenever we're there. I think he was actually sad when we came back because people didn't hold him as much. <laughs> um, who weren't us, because he just loves people. So that's the end of our photos there. We're going to take that down. Um, so again, I just want to kind of give you guys a little picture of, of who we work with and where we're going. Um, and this people, they're, they're beautiful, and, but they've experienced a lot of trauma. Um, you know, as I mentioned, they are refugees. And so as we kind of know from the news, you know, refugees are people who've experienced a great trauma in their, their world, who've been forced out of their world because of, of violence primarily. And so these people are in a foreign context. They've been there for a while, but it's not their home. It's not where they're used to. Um, they are attached to a host community. When the UN brought these people over, they took them to an existing village and said, you're going to live around these people where there's already kind of a, a base of you know, water sources and, and some commerce. Um, but there's a lot of tension with that host community because that host community has lost business, has lost um, property to these people. And there's kind of some conflict there, so they're not really at home. Um, but what's tragically beautiful about that is, is Christ uses those things to, to open doors to reach these people groups. These people groups were not previously accessible until they were they moved out of their country. And, and we know that when people are not in their familiar context, when they've experienced trauma, when they're in a place where they have to question the validity of their beliefs based on their life experiences, there is a, a great, and it's, it's tragically beautiful, but a great opportunity to speak the gospel into their lives, to say, you know what? That is terrible. That did happen. But, but Christ, you know, he was there the whole time. Like, he's brought you here, and he'll be with you going forward to give him hope for that. Um, what we really enjoy is that our team who has been there, um, they used to live with the people in the northern country and evacuated with them. So there's, there's a story and a history with these people group that we, we carry that, that says that we, we've been with you since the beginning. Now, since this all started, we've been with you. And we're continuing to bring people to, to be with you, to, to come alongside you. And I just love that kind of incarnational image we get the chance to, to do with them. And so like I mentioned, our, our focus is on discipleship and church planning. You know, we've had translators with these people for a while, and they've been doing translation with some nationals and talking with some people. Um, but it's, it's time. The harvest is ready for people to receive scripture. And there is a hunger and a thirst for what is, what is truth, what is real, what is something to rely on in a world that seems so unstable for them. And so what we're going to be able to do is um, go before our translation teams as they continue to translate and begin to share stories with people. These people are naturally an oral-based culture. And so storytelling is, one, really fun, but also really convenient because, you know, I can go to just like these little coffee shops. It's not a Starbucks. It's like a, it's like a stool with a teapot on top. Um, and I can just hang out and say, hey, like, you know, nice to meet you. How you doing? Good day. And just ask, like, hey, do you want to hear some stories from God's word? In Muslim people groups, there is respect and reverence for the, um, the Torah, the first five of the Old Testament. And there is respect for the four Gospels. You know, there is a belief that you know, they are corrupted through you know, Americans, and etc. Um, but there is reverence for it. It is, to them, that is, those are scripture. And so we have a chance to say, hey, you know, I, have, I have stories from God's word from from, from the Injil, from the New Testament, from this, this, the teachings of Jesus, do you want to hear some of that? 
And there is excitement because for Muslims, if you guys didn't know, they, they can't read their Quran. They can't read their own scriptures. Um, it's only taught to them from the, from the imam. And the imam himself may not be able to read scripture because it's only in, in original Arabic. Um, these people speak a Arabic creel. Um, but so if you don't know Arabic, you can't even read like your scriptures. And so we come and we're trying to basically tell them like, hey, like God's word can be available to you. And we can share stories with you, teach them about them. But also like we're, we're working on, on printing and translating God's word into your language. That he cares about who you are to come to your small particular language. And that's kind of the power of why we focus on heart languages with Pioneer Bibles because it speaks to God's heart for these people. That even their language that may be small and unwritten, God cares enough to come and make sure that their language can be preserved, but also that they can experience God through their language. Um, and so we get to share stories with them, get them excited about scripture. And our vision for what we're going to be doing is to make disciples. I mean, that's, that's the, the call of all disciples, right? It's to make disciples. And our goal is to see disciples who make disciples, to share stories of scripture, to share stories of Jesus, to ask him questions, to get him thinking about what does this mean for me if God is real, if this is his word, what does that mean for me to follow who God is? And to be able to share that with others and to be able to share about what it, what it means to know who God is. Um, and as we do that, we, we do hope that there will be formation of churches. Again, there are some churches there, but we hope that um, there will be churches formed who are free of um, oversight from a denomination that can be a little more particular about what kind of message is put through the church. Um, although we aren't against them, we will try to work with those churches um, and find a good partnership and help bring health to those churches if we can. Um, but we want to see independent church groups made as well among believers. Um, we don't have any denominational bent in that way, but there's some, some more freedom that way. Um, and our, our goal is that we're as we see disciples made and churches formed, that there will be um, a comprehension of what the gospel really is about and the idea that Jesus calls us to go and give that gift to others. So that way we will see not only disciples who make disciples, but churches who plant churches. And because ultimately, I mean, we believe that there are these people in these areas who speak five different languages. You know, it's going to take us like three years to learn one, or they know five. If we can empower them and equip them and build them up to go and do the work of the gospel, they're going to do what we can do in one generation that would take us two generations. You know, they, again, they are empowered by the same spirit of God that we are. And so eventually our dream if all goes well down the road, is to get to a point where we are just a support for the churches and disciples who are in the area to help continue to equip them and disciple them and give them kind of some guardrails when tough subjects come up of how to kind of tackle those. Again, our goal is not to give them a version of our Christianity, but to leave them in the truth of the gospel and to let Christ form how that appears in their community which is really beautiful. We have someone on our team who is an ethnomusicologist, which is a big fancy word for somebody who helps people make worship music. But in their, in their context, it doesn't have to look like Western music, but in a way it's going to be joyous and meaningful to their people. So that's what we're doing. That's kind of the, um, the scope of what we're looking at, what we're hoping for, um, our desires and goals. And we're very excited about it. Um, everywhere we went when we visited the area, because we kind of scoped out a few places before we, we picked one, Everyone kept saying, we are all ready for, for someone to go and take scripture out. Like, it's, it's being translated. We're going to have it printed in the next year or so. Like, we're ready for that to go out and for people to meet Jesus, to do that work. And so we're very excited to have the opportunity that there is a, a harvest ready for us to go and work a part of. And so with that, 
I'm going to hop to the, a little bit of the nitty-gritty real quick and get past the financial part. It costs money to go and do this stuff, as people know. I like to joke, you know, big surprise, missionary is mentioning money. Um, but it does cost a lot. It's, it's, it's very expensive to live in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of weird. Um, and so right now, just for you guys' information, kind of extend the offer, is that we are about 50% funded on our monthly costs. Um, we do have to raise a, a one-time launch fund to make the hop over and everything. Um, that's kind of where we stand. We're about 10% on that fund, as far as we know, and about 50% on our monthly. And so we are looking for people to partner with us still. Um, Garden Ways of Church has graciously come alongside of us. But most of our funds come from individuals. And the way we see that is that, you know, this is, when we talk about it, we don't tell people, you know, will you support our ministry? Because that implies, like, it's our work, right? Um, we tell people a lot when we speak about it, or the terms we use is, you know, this is a ministry God has called us to. Because really it's his work, right? We're just, we happen to be fortunate enough to be part of this work and be able to go and do that. And so we just want to invite you guys to, to partner with us in that way. Um, outside the lobby, there's a sign-up sheet for newsletters and to become a prayer partner. Um, but we want to extend the invitation to you. We believe that our role um, in engagement with our home churches and our churches in the U.S. is to be an extension of the church, the ministries that are ongoing, and to just be a conduit for the use of, of God's resources and in a way to enable people to be faithful in the resources as God calls them in that. And so we believe that's a very personal decision between individuals and, and God for that decision. So we'd love to have your partnership and your consideration in that. Um, but I'll toss that out there. If you have more questions, we can talk later. That's the nitty-gritty part. Um, but that being said, as we kind of wind down, um, I didn't want to bring a word of encouragement for, for your body as a church. Um, we want to bless you guys while we're here. And so like, as we talk about all this stuff, um, one, one thing I keep thinking about is, you know, why do we do this? You know, why do we go to these places? Because I was telling somebody this morning, this, this isn't the first place I would choose. Honestly, it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> It's super hot, and we got dehydration sickness while we were there, and I, I passed out for like two days. Um, it was not fun. Um, this is not my ideal vacation place. Um, but we go there, right, because there is, there is a need for the gospel. And our life circumstances have just made it to where that's where God has called us to. You know? Again, we didn't choose it. I wasn't like, hey, where's the hottest, driest, poorest place I can go to? That sounds fantastic. You know? Let's bring our kids, too. They're going to love it. Um, I mean, there are great people, don't get me wrong. But we do it, right, because of, because of Christ, because of the gospel. Because he said in, in Matthew, Matthew 18, 20, as we all know, again, perfect missionary, missionary verse, sorry, Matthew 20, 18. You know, go into all the world, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've taught you, right? The great commission that God gave us. And all we're doing is being obedient to what Jesus did. Because he loved us enough to die for us, to, to take us and give us a purpose and to ask us to share that with others is, is our privilege to do that. We get to do that. And the verse I keep coming back to, and I just love the imagery in this verse, um, Paul speaking in Romans, he's talking about um, those who will be saved. In verse, or chapter 10, verse 13, he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yet how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I love the imagery, that last part, how beautiful are the feet of those who go. And I think about in Jesus' time, feet were gnarly. Feet are still kind of weird. I mean, admittedly, this is kind of weird, but one day I, I sat and looked at my foot for a while. No reason, I was just looking at my foot. And I was like, man, my, my foot looks weird. I got these little, like, five little long things on the end, and they're, like, webbed between them. They're kind of funky looking. But then, you know, you notice, like, you know, your feet get kind of worn over time, they kind of cracked and whatnot. And I think in Jesus' time, how they're walking through the streets and in sandals, and there's, you know, there's, there's cow biomatter all over the road, and it's muddy, and they've been walking all day, and their toenails are probably all nasty. Like, feet aren't pretty. Like, you know, we hear that verse, like, oh, how beautiful are the feet, you know? But not because feet are, are cute or anything like that. It's like, oh, like, it's like feet. Like, but when Paul says that, it's because how beautiful are the feet that carry the good news? You know, they're beautiful because of what they do, not because they are beautiful. And I, I just love that because when I think of, of myself, I have to remind myself of who Christ calls me because I don't think I'm that great. You know, I don't think this is anything that I get to do because I'm so fantastic and like I'm a great missionary and like how great am I? You know, this is, again, this is a, a privilege we get to be a part of, to carry the gospel for, in Jesus' name. Um, and I love the way Paul says it again in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 4, in verse 7. Um, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Because that, that sums it up for me. We are, just, we are jars of clay, we are, we are weak people, we are not very capable of a whole lot, honestly, in terms of changing the larger world each day. You know, I was telling some kids recently at a, a VVS, um, if I, now I'm saying that, it sounds harsh at first, but it had a good message to it, is, you know, God doesn't need us, right? We know this, like, God doesn't need to use us. I mean, the guy spoke creation into existence. I mean, come on, he can do whatever he wants to. But the fact is, he, he chooses to say, will you, will you work alongside me? I want so badly for you to be a part of this, to know my goodness through working with me and for others to know that too, and just be a part of be part of my family. And that's a message we get to go and share with these people is, you know, we are a people who experience hard things, who mess up a lot, but we have a God who wants us so badly to be a part of what he's doing. that He, he gave his own son to die for us. And then we get the privilege us people who, who caused the death of the son to go and invite others to do the same. And my, my point with that, and as I, I do this, you know, it's, we mentioned the Great Commission, and as soon as we fall into the merits of you know, work in, in our home area and work overseas, which I, I find unfortunate sometimes because we begin comparing who's the best Christian sometimes that the missionaries are over there like giving their lives overseas. And I get people a lot who are like, you know, God bless you for going overseas and being faithful. And like, it's just so great what you're doing. And I don't always enjoy that because I feel like sometimes people treat us that way because they think we're special, that we were uniquely called to what we're doing in terms of, you know, no one else could go and do what we're doing. When in reality, we're, we're all called to share the gospel, to use whatever time and resources we have to, to live out Christ before others, to make Christ known, to give people an opportunity to know Jesus. And my encouragement with that towards you guys is that you know, as you support us, again, we, we are an extension of the church, but 
a reminder that even through our finances, even through giving, even through all that we do, we are all called into this great work of spreading the gospel around the world because no matter where you are, there are people who don't know Christ. And again, how will they hear if no one goes and tells them? And so I, I value the opportunity to visit churches and people and to just be an example and encouragement of how to, just, just one way to be doing that as an encouragement that we can, we can continue in all parts of our life to, to be doing this. Because one day I'm not going to be on the mission field, right? You know? And one day people won't say, you know, God bless you for going and do this and you're so great. That's not the motivation that we should have, right, as we do ministry. Our, our, our motivation is that Christ must be made known. And as I look out at you guys today, I see a lot of um, age variation. There's some little kids, there's some adults, people who are in their mid-40s, in the midst of their careers. There are people who are retired, people who are winding down the remaining decades of their life. And I, I see people who think, you know, I can't do those things anymore, but... I want to encourage you, and I hope this is what I communicate. One lady at one church thought I was talking about something different and felt kind of bad. My, my encouragement is that God has equipped us at all stages, no matter what we have, no matter our strength or our intellect or resources, to share the gospel. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not about how much we have or who we are. It's about what kind of doors we're willing to open for Christ and allow him to work through. And so as you guys go forward today, I, want, I, I hope to express that to you and encourage you in that way that your feet are beautiful as well as you go. As you see people in ministry, that's great. I'm glad people are in ministry. I'm glad I'm going overseas, but we are all able to do a great work in the name of Jesus. And you guys are doing that currently as you come and be here, as you support the church and all its ministries, as you be a part of those ministries. And so, um, yeah, I just want to give that reminder. And I, my prayer for you is that you see that fruit happen, that you see Christ appear in everyday parts of your lives, that all of you have opportunity to make Christ known. And that, for me, doesn't always mean that we, we, we baptize someone or that we, we make that decision with somebody. I think a lot of times our most, most faithful work that we do as disciples is just creating circumstances that will lead somebody to faith. Because what I do may not result in disciples, honestly. There are situations, especially in the mission field, where you don't see disciples made, despite decades of work. And it's not until, until decades after, because of that work, that disciples come to know because the gospel was brought, and then they return to it. So with that, um, I'll just pray for you guys and pray a blessing over this church for each and every one of you. Um, and then, again, afterwards, after service, um, I'd love to hang around and answer some more questions for you um, in detail about where we're going and kind of things that we're about. Um, but thank you all for just letting me be here and to um, ramble at you from up here. And, um, yeah, it's been great to be with you. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll carry on. Heavenly Father God, um, you are so good. Um, Lord, just to know you, to be in your presence, to receive your spirit, that we are um, so knownly unworthy to, to follow you and to be loved by you. But 
God, you call us your children. You welcome us home with open arms. Um, and you have, you have paved the way for that in such a tragically beautiful way. Um, God, I just want to pray blessing over, over Garden Way Church and all who are here. Um, that, Father, that your spirit would move in them and that as they are aware and looking, that you would provide opportunity for them to, to bless others who know you and who don't know you, that um, you would strengthen all people here um, in all resources and avenues of their lives to, um, to be sharing the good news of who Christ is, to know that they are beloved by you, that they are children of yours, that they are capable of doing more than they can imagine because it is not um, by our efforts and by how diligent we are that you are made known, but it is by you and by your spirit. And we simply get to be um, an avenue for that. Um, that we don't have to try so hard to make it happen, Lord, that we should just be faithful and obedient to you and to love you, and that you will make those opportunities happen. Bless them in this community, Father. Um, will they be a place of healing and hope um, that reaches out and pulls in, that ministers and loves to people, um, and as a place of encouragement within the body of Christ? Um, so thank you for the time to be with them. Thank you for the time to get to know them, to be uh, a part of this family, to be an extension of the ministries happening here um, and for the work we're going to do together, God. Um, we just pray for um, your glory to be made known, for your name to be no- made known in all parts of the world. We pray for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.